You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Thanks so much for your giving, and we're going to dive in and continue the series that we started two weeks ago for the year uh, 2018. We're going to study the book of Acts. Uh, This first section, we're calling it Created with Purpose, and we said that the book of Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, and I'd like us to kind of rethink it and say the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, because the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit is unmistakable throughout the book of Acts. The entire book is hinged on one verse, and I'd like you to turn with me to Acts chapter 1, verse 8. The last two weeks we've mentioned this, and we'll probably continue throughout the series, but everything that happens from chapter 2 on hinges on this verse, and we'll see what it says here. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witness in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I want to say a couple things. Number one, I'm asking that you commit this verse to memory in 2018. How many think you could memorize one verse for me uh, this year? And we're going to talk about it every week. And maybe there's a time that we'll ask you just to stand up and, uh, and let's you know, say this together without looking or whatever. Maybe we'll work in that. But I'm asking you to, to memorize it because God's word, it gets into our hearts and it starts to change us. Now, when we studied chapter one over the last couple of weeks, the key to chapter one was to wait. And how many of us just love to wait? We're just so patient, Right. And we just love to be inconvenienced. And if there's a delay, praise the Lord, right? I mean, nobody, nobody uh, does that, right? And uh, waiting is hard, especially in our 2018 fast-paced society here in West Michigan. But with that waiting, we saw the disciples model. They were obedient to what Jesus said. They were unified. They were all together in one accord. And they prayed. And we said last week that, Those were three keys to supernatural ministry. So today, as we move into Acts chapter 2, we're going to see that supernatural ministry start to play itself out. And there's a specific event that happened that the disciples had been waiting for. They didn't know what they were waiting for, but it happened in Acts chapter 2. And I want to just say that when when I started reading this and I started just uh, meditating over this, and I thought, man, if there were... Uh, if there was a time in the Bible that I could go back and just step into uh, to experience what was happening on the pages of Scripture, this is one of the top three uh, in the New Testament that I would want to participate in. To have been there would have been incredible. It was one of those events uh, that was kind of bizarre. It was uh, unlike anything that had been seen up to that time. It was supernatural for sure. And it left the group of 120 that were, had been meeting together in Acts chapter 1, it left them saying, what in the world does this all mean? Look at it. At the very end of that little chapter, or that little section, verse 12, it says they were amazed and they were perplexed and they asked one another, what does this mean? They're saying, what in the world is just happen what is going on and what is next and 
We're going to try to answer that today. But with, before we do that, let's look at these 13 verses, Acts 2, 1 through 13. And we'll read it together. You can grab a Bible on the back tables. You can follow along on the screen or look at your own copy of God's Word. And however you do that, let's look at this. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own negative language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus in Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, (laughs) Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, Visitors in, from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, some, however, made fun of them and said, they have simply had too much wine. <laughs> Let's pray. Lord, I'm praying that we get our hearts and our minds around these few verses this morning. Lord, that you would do just something supernatural in this place. And Lord, I don't know everyone that's here, whether they have a background that this is uh, the, 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 the hundredth time they've heard this message, or Lord, whether it's the first time. Lord, I'm praying regardless that you would break through in a supernatural way. And Lord, that we would be sensitive to hear your voice and to do what you've called us to do and to apply this, these words. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. The 13 verses that we just read mark a major transition, probably the biggest transition in the New Testament, from Jesus' ministry to now the planting of the church. There was another major shift in the Old Testament that a lot of people will make parallels to, and that's when Moses, in Exodus 19, went up on the mountain, Mount Sinai, and heard from God 40 days, and God gave the Ten Commandments. There were some similarities, and we're not going to study them in depth, but similarities in the stories. There was fire and smoke at Mount Sinai. There was a loud noise. There was a shaking. And yes, the presence of God was there. In the New Testament filling, and here in the day of Pentecost that we're going to study, there was tongues of fire. So you see the fire is the same. There was a loud noise as well. They were shaken, and the presence of God was there. People put these side by side, saying these were two major shifts in the Old Testament and then now New Testament. There are others that will look at the story that we've read, these 13 verses, and relay them to what happened in Genesis chapter 10 and 11 uh, at the Tower of Babel. If you're familiar with the story, Genesis 10, they started building this tower to heaven, and they were unstoppable. Even God thought so. They said, if God, God said, if I don't do something about this, these people 
They're so unified, they could do anything. And so God confused their language, all their languages, and it scattered them across the, the world. So Babel, there was this confusion of languages, and now here in Acts 2, we see uh, languages used again. It's kind of the undoing at Pentecost, where now others that hear at Pentecost, people speaking in their language, they, they were confused by hearing their own language. And then the list of nations uh, is uh, somewhat unusual when you line them up side by side, and it's interesting. And those are certainly areas that you could dive into. We could probably spend an entire message on those ideas, uh, but we're not going to do that. What I want you to see this morning is that there was a monumental shift in the New Testament here. So far in Jesus' ministry, he had instructed. He was the teacher. But now he empowers his disciples to do great things. The disciples somewhat were held back, but now, Acts 2, they're being sent forward for the glory of God. Acts chapter 1, we see Jesus ascend into heaven. He's caught up in the clouds. Acts chapter 2, we see the Holy Spirit descending on the disciples and now infilling them with the Holy Spirit. Now, the big picture last week we said was that these ordinary guys, these disciples who were relatively uh, ineffective, are now filled with the Holy Spirit, and now the supernatural is going to be at work in their lives. But it still doesn't answer the big question in Acts chapter 2, 2 verse 12, why did this happen, or what does this mean? Acts 2, 12. What does it mean? And so we're going to try to get our minds around this, like the baptism of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to being filled with the Holy Spirit? All those things. Let's start in verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. If you're there with me, say amen. All right, it says, When the day of Pentecost came. Let's pause right there. The day of Pentecost. That is loaded with meaning. You could spend an entire message just on that idea. For I promise you, I was planning to do that. But for our sake this morning, all you need to know is that the Jews would have understood that it, the importance of Pentecost. It was a celebration of the harvest. It was not an accident that the Spirit of God fell on the day of Pentecost. It was something that God had been working on behind the scenes. It was God's divine plan, His sovereignty, and it was foretold in the Old Testament through stories like the, uh, with the Mount Sinai story and the Babel and uh, many others. Now, when we say Pentecost, it means 50 days after Passover. In, the, in Leviticus chapter 23, I would encourage you to write that down and read it and look for from Passover to Pentecost and read it with a New Testament mindset because everything in Leviticus 23, it all points to Christ. Leviticus 23 is an outline of the work of Jesus Christ. Let me just give you the highlights. Passover in the Old Testament, it was to save the children of Israel from the Egyptian slavery, right? They took a lamb and they killed an innocent lamb, put the blood over their doorposts, and the angel of death passed over and preserved the Israel nation. How many know what I'm talking about? That's the Old Testament. But now we see the death of the Lamb of God, Jesus, on the cross on Passover. 
How about the Feast of Fruits? That's something that you'll see in Leviticus 23. And um, that was part of the festival. It's three days after. Now, in the New Testament, three days later, what happens? Jesus is risen from the grave, the resurrection. And then Pentecost, 50 days later. Pentecost was 50 days after Passover. It was the it was the part of the feast and part of the celebration of the of the harvest. And now we see the picture of the formation of the church where the Holy Spirit came. Again, at Pentecost, Jews celebrated the giving of the law, but today as Christians, we celebrate the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. And for those of you that want to go deep, and I know many of you enjoy a little deeper study, this particular idea is one that you can go deep all day long and it's really exciting i want to encourage you to do that but we're going to continue acts chapter 2 verse 1 when the day of pentecost came and so it gives you a little background it says they were all together in one place all together the same word is used in acts chapter 1 it's used three other times in the book of acts the idea that they were in one accord there was a unity there It was important. We talked about that last week. So they're all together in one place. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Something happened in an instant, suddenly, and it was a sound. It wasn't an experience that they felt the wind. It sounded like a tornado. And it was so loud that those that were visiting Jerusalem that were no doubt heading towards the temple because there is the day of Pentecost they were going to go to celebrate. On the way, they heard this sound and they heard people speaking in tongues. They heard something and they stopped. So we see that they heard something. And then verse 3, we see that they also saw something. Look at it. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Now, some of you think, boy, what in the world would that have looked like, right? And I, I kind of asked the same question. Tongues of fire separated on each of them. And it's kind of hard to get our mind around that. And some people would say, well, I don't believe that that's true. It's too hard for me to conceptualize what that would look like. And I would just say, if you don't believe that, do you believe anything from the Old Testament or New Testament? This supernatural God was at work. Did you believe that the seas parted? Do you believe that there were ten plagues? Do you believe that David defeated Goliath with one smooth stone? Do you believe that Daniel lived overnight in a lion's den? The supernatural is at work. And even if we can't conceptualize or understand what that might have looked like in this verse, tongues of fire separated, coming to rest on each of them, we can believe that it was true because God's word is true and we can move forward. And again, um, we, we know that even God was working supernaturally when he gave the Ten Commandments at Mount Sinai. It was supernatural. And so they saw something, or they heard something, they saw something, and then in verse 4, look what happened. All of them, everybody say all, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, when it says that they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, sometimes we use the phrase that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
or they were infilled with the Holy Spirit. There's different terms or different phrases to identify what is happening here. Different terms, but it's all the same gift. But what I want you to see this morning is that the baptism of the Holy Spirit that's happening in verse 4 here was different. It was a second work of the Holy Spirit. It was different from salvation. This is important. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 says, Don't you know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? whom you have received from God, you are not your own. In other words, if you are a Christ follower, you have Jesus in your heart. The Holy Spirit is residing, is living inside of you. In Romans chapter 8, if you go back a few few verses or a few chapters, Romans chapter 8 verse 9, we see a similar idea. It says, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. In other words, if the Holy Spirit's not inside you, you're not a believer. But if you have Christ in you, the Holy Spirit resides in you. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. But there's more of the Holy Spirit that's available to us as believers. It's called the infilling of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, or the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And if you were to desire that kind of experience that's seen in Acts chapter 2, you might ask the question, well, how would you know if you received the gift of the Holy Spirit or the baptism of the Holy Spirit? How would you know? Well, it answers it right there. It says they are all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. The evidence was the speaking in tongues. It, was, it doesn't say they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they felt the power of God or they felt the presence of God or they felt different in some way. No, tongues was certainly not what they were after, but it was the indicator that they had received the gift that Jesus had promised in the Gospels. And there's a pattern in the book of Acts that we can follow and and be encouraged by that this was the pattern and still is the pattern how we're filled or how we know if we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. So we'll start in Acts chapter 2, verse 4. They all were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues. If you turn to Acts chapter 10, verse 44 through 47, we're at Cornelius' house here, and, uh, and it says, while Peter was still speaking these words, so he was preaching, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. So I was thinking about it. I was praying. I was like, Lord, wouldn't it be awesome that even while we're praying, while I'm speaking, that the Holy Spirit's touching people's lives. And I, I thought, man, that's incredible. That's what I've been praying. It says the circumcised believers who came, who had come with Peter, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. How did they know that the Spirit of God had poured out, that they had been filled with the Holy Spirit? For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And they were surprised that even not just the Jews, but now the Gentiles 
we're doing that. Acts chapter 19, turn with me just a couple more pages. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7. I'm not going to read all of it. Uh, Paul's in Ephesus now, and Paul comes to the disciples and said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Well, then what did you, were you baptized? Uh, or what baptism did you receive? John's baptism. Well, that was a baptism of repentance. Look at verse 6. When Paul placed his hands on them at that point, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. There was about 12 of them in all. Again, so three very specific examples. You say, are there others in the book of Acts? And yes, there are that are implied. In Acts chapter 8, verses 17 through 18, we see another example of this. Acts chapter 8, verse 17 and 18. This is Peter. Uh, He's talking and he's sharing the good news. And Simon the sorcerer, he's the uh, magician. He's watching at what God's doing. And it says here, when Peter and John placed their hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit. So this group of people, they were prayed for, laid on a hands, and they received the Holy Spirit. You say, well, how would you know? It doesn't say anything about tongues here. Well, look what Simon the sorcerer, the magician, said in verse 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit had been given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money. There was something that happened. I believe it was they spoke in other tongues. And he's saying, hey, I'd like to have that ability too. And so he offered them money. And of course, he says, get behind me. Uh, That's not how it works. One more example, Acts chapter 9, just the next page over. Acts chapter 9, verse 17. This is after Paul's conversion. Paul was saved. He believed in Christ on the road to Damascus. And later he goes to uh, Ananias, and Ananias was going to pray for him. It says in verse 17, he went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Paul. He said, Brother Saul, who is Paul, uh, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, he has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So he prayed for him. He laid on his hands. Immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized. You say, it doesn't say he spoke in tongues. Well, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and uh, we're going to go there a couple different times, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, we see that Paul, he did speak in tongues, and not only on one occasion, it says, uh, verse 5, it says, "I I would like everyone to speak in tongues. And verse 18 says, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he spoke in tongues a whole lot. And what we're talking about is a specific prayer language being filled or being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The way I see it is that this pattern is undeniable. It is totally defendable. Uh, But you say, why is the Holy Spirit at work at this point? What does it mean? We still haven't answered that question. What does it mean when the Holy Spirit baptizes? And what I wanted you to know is there are a few things that we see in Scripture. This is not an exhaustive list, but the Holy Spirit baptism was given to advance the story of the gospel. The Holy Spirit's infilling was power given, number one, for miracles. Before Acts chapter 2, yes, Jesus 
In his ministry, he was full of miracles. He was left and right praying for people, people being healed and demons cast out and all those things. But remember in the Gospels that the disciples, they struggled. They went out and they laid hands on people and the demons did not leave. They would come back to Jesus and say, hey, what's going on? Why couldn't we do this? And he said, this kind of uh, thing only comes by prayer and fasting. And and, uh, he was preparing them for the gift of the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 2, verse 43, something changed. Now, where the disciples were somewhat ineffective, now they are able to do the miraculous. Look at it, verse 43. It says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Wow, there were things happening. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Again, Peter and John were approached, and the, the blind man, the beggar, says, uh, says, hey, you know, would you give me some something? And they say, well, we don't have anything for you. It was the crippled guy. And they say, look, silver and gold, we don't have any money to give you, but we'll pray for you. In the name of Jesus, get your mat up and walk. And the guy did. The miraculous was happening. Acts chapter 5, verse 12, just flip over with me. It says, the apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. Again, in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it's really uh, 5 through 8, but we'll focus on 8. It says, Now Stephen, this is one of the disciples, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. How did he do that? He was full of the Holy Spirit. One more, Acts chapter 8, verse 6. Verse 6 says this, When the crowds heard that Philip, uh, heard Philip and saw the signs that he performed, They all paid close attention to what he said. There were things happening in the early disciples and the early believers. There were miracles happening. And I believe that miracles can happen today as well. There's a second thing that uh, we see. Why did the Holy Spirit baptize his church? The second is to give direct access to God. I love this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, in verse 2, we see something that happens look what it says for anyone who speaks in tongues does not speak to people but to god directly you speak to god now i'm gonna pause here for a second i preached through the whole book of first corinthians a couple years back and we spent a year and a half studying the book of first corinthians and uh, we spent a lot of time in 12 13 and 14 and encourage you if you're hungry you can go back and listen to those messages certainly that would be a benefit to you but turn with me also to romans chapter 8 in romans chapter 8 verses 26 through 28 we see uh something happened here as well this direct access to god it says this in the same way the spirit helps us in our weakness how many have ever felt weak in your walk in the lord i know i have and it says we do not know how we ought to pray but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. If you've ever struggled knowing what to pray in a circumstance, you can pray in the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Speak in tongues. You're praying the perfect will of God. It's a direct access Prayer language is talking directly with God. There's a third thing. We also get spiritual discernment. 
Ephesians chapter 5, if you turn with me there, a couple verses over. I, I know I'm flipping through a few here, if you can keep up or just write it down and look at it later. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says this, be very, very careful how you live. Not as unwise, but wise. Wisdom is important. How many would believe that? When we read through the book of uh, Proverbs the last couple weeks with our soap, that's so important. It says, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So if you want to be wise, you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Go back to 1 Corinthians 4, 14, 2. It says that, that we're talking directly to God. That's that direct access to God. But there's also these mysteries that are seen only through the Spirit. There's spiritual discernment. The fourth is this, spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is important. When we pray in the Spirit, we are fighting the enemy. We're not talking about little things here. This is serious. The power of hell, it fights against us, especially when we are determined to advance the kingdom of God. In Ephesians chapter 6, a little later, it talks about the armor of God, and he wraps up the section. He says, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And my question would be, how would you pray like that without being filled with the Spirit of God, being baptized in the Holy Spirit. See, the enemy is fighting against us, even if we don't recognize it. And if you don't recognize it, and you're just off in la-la land and just kind of going through, it's like you're AWOL. You've, been, uh, you've checked out, and that would be dangerous. This filling of the Holy Spirit was powerful. Yes, the Spirit came in Acts 2, it was a celebration of being together. Yes, they spoke in tongues. But the greatest thing that happened is the fifth reason the Holy Spirit comes. There was a great harvest. It gives the power to witness. Let's just be honest. It's difficult at times to witness, to share our faith with others. Am, am I right? Does anyone here struggle? Come on, let me just see your hands. You struggle. I struggle. You struggle. Our small group in the fall, all of the small groups in the fall talked about reaching one more, the idea that we wanted to, to win someone uh, to the Lord. And it was difficult. There were times I would leave my small group and, and uh, be challenged to reach out to the person I was praying for. And I had almost, or I had even committed, like I was going to do it. It was my neighbor across the way. And, and, um, and, I, and, I, and then I would come back and I had to eat humble pie and say, and I, we've got some folks from my small group. You remember, I'm saying, I didn't do what I thought I was going to do because it's hard. You have to think about it. It's got to be on your mind. And you have to have the boldness to share. But the Holy Spirit, that's what he does. That's his primary reason. Going back to Acts chapter 1-8, you will receive power to be my witness. And you need to be full of the Holy Spirit in order to do it. Not full 10 months ago or 10 years ago. Or I did that once. I spoke in tongues when I was a kid at camp or something like that. No, we need to be full today and every day. 
because there's a power to witness that comes. Let's look at Peter's example. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it's after the resurrection. The disciples, including Peter, they were behind locked doors. They are afraid to witness. They are hiding. Remember, Peter denied Jesus uh, earlier, and now it's after the resurrection. Peter needed to be full of the Holy Spirit to stand up. And now, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls, and in verse 13, They're made fun of, and Peter, if he was being made fun of before, he was cowardly and denied Christ. But in verse 14 and on, which you're going to study next week while I'm in Russia, uh, you're not going to want to miss it, Peter stands up full of the Holy Spirit, and he witnesses, and you can read ahead, I have, the gospel was advanced. People got saved. And it happened again in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Peter was bold. Acts chapter 5, verse 27. Peter was bold again. What made the difference? It was the power of the Holy Spirit. A fresh filling each and every day for Peter. And I want to just say, I believe that there are many that are here that need a fresh filling, even this morning, for the task at hand. You say, well, why would I need that? so you can be a witness. It's the most important thing. It's the only thing on this side of eternity that matters is for us to share the gospel story. And it's a gift for everybody. Look at it, Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18. It says, in the last days, God, it says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Verse 18, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Something we need daily. Ephesians 5.18, remember, said, be filled with the Holy Spirit. And some that would hear that, they would say, yes, I believe that. I believe what you're talking about, that the Holy Spirit fell, the evidence is speaking in tongues. I get that. But some would say, even though they believe it from a doctrinal standpoint, some would say, I don't need to experience it myself. It's not a big deal for me. And I would disagree. Yes, I believe what we're talking about is defendable theologically. I liked what one commentator said. He said, without experience, it's like faith without works. What is faith without works? It's dead, right? And without the Holy Spirit filling us, there's a weakness. There are a lot of churches in the United States and across the globe that are weak churches that do not experience the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. They're weak spiritually because they've denied this teaching or this experience. That's not the case here at the Gateway Church. We believe that the Holy Spirit is given to spread the gospel, and we believe that everyone can and needs to experience the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You say, well, what's the final effect? What's the, what, what happened in Acts? Well, what happened in Acts is they moved forward, tongues came, and then they were witnesses, great witnesses. The same can happen to us today. We can capitalize on this. We can recapture this. The issue is not tongues. Let me be clear. The issue is when we are filled, we can reach people 
to God. We can win people to God when the presence of God is working in and through our lives. Look at it, Acts chapter 2, verses 5 to 11. Uh, there's this wide variety of people that gather. Uh, they're enabled to share the gospel. The crowd appears as there's supernatural things happening. They heard their own languages. They are amazed. They're perplexed. They're saying, what does this mean? And it set the stage for a harvest to begin. And Peter, at that point, was ready to stand up and move forward and to be bold. And I want to just surmise, and I'm going to ask Pastor Bobby to come, that the same thing can happen today. It can happen again when the Holy Spirit fills us up. And when he fills us to overflowing, we can see the same happen. Let's pray. Lord, I'm just asking that you would help us. Lord, in the next few moments, that your power and your presence would be very real. And Lord, even though there's going to be some challenging moments in the next, next minute or two uh, to step up and step out, God, I pray that you would give us the strength, the boldness to do it. God, we desire everything you have for us. If it's you, Lord, we want it. And Lord, we believe that you are still filling your people. You're still baptizing in the power and the presence of, of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we want to experience that this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before we get to the baptism of the Holy Spirit, another role of the Holy Spirit is to draw people to a place of repentance. What that means is that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and reveals the things in our lives that are not pleasing to Jesus. The gift of, the, of salvation is just the simple truth that we can accept Jesus into our hearts and he takes our sin as far as the east is from the west. And I believe that the Holy Spirit may be working on some of our lives even today. And I know this has not been a salvation message, but he is ready to receive you as a, a son, and son or daughter. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, you're saying, man, if I were to die today, I'm not sure if I'd go to heaven or to hell. You don't have to walk out of here with that knowledge. You can know for sure. And the way you know for sure is by giving your heart to Jesus. And if you're ready to give your heart to Jesus this morning, I'm just asking that you raise your hand right where you are. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Okay, yes, absolutely. Thank you. Who else? Couple here, second service. Anyone else? Just saying, you know what? That's where I am today. I need to get my life right with the Lord. I need Jesus to forgive me. Anyone else? Okay. For the sake of these two, I'm just going to ask that you would, uh, would you just uh, repeat a prayer with me? And it's not the words of this prayer that saves us. It's believing that Jesus died and asking him to come into our hearts. And that's what I'm going to lead you to do. And so let's just pray this together all across the place. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Please forgive me for all my sins. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong. I believe that you died on the cross for me, providing a way to heaven. And I'm asking that you would just forgive me of all my sins. 
Come into my life. Make my heart clean. I pray it in Jesus' name. And we all said amen. Amen. And we rejoice in heaven for the two that have been added and uh, come back to the Lord. Thank you, Lord. We've been praying and asking God that he would do that. It's the power to witness and God's word through the power of the Holy Spirit is working. Now, let me just remind you of the benefits of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We talked about miracles and talked about discernment and spiritual warfare and direct access with God. How many would say those things sound pretty good, right? Absolutely. But the most important thing is to be a witness. To be a witness. As I was reading in my daily devotions, like many of you this week, we're doing this soap where we're taking and we're giving you a Bible reading assignment and we ended up in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says this, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. What is he talking about? I believe he's saying the gift of the Holy Spirit. Fan it into flame, which is in you through the laying on of hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but it gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So when the Holy Spirit fills us up, it doesn't make us shrink back. It says, no, I'm going to be bold. And then look what it says in verse 8. It says, so do not be ashamed of the testimony about the Lord or of me as the prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. And what I believe, as I read that earlier this week, as just a sense that we at the Gateway Church need to fan into flame the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to just ask a couple bold things here and, I, and I'm going to put you on the spot, and I understand that, but trust me, we're, gonna, we're getting somewhere. If you're here this morning, and you desire the benefits of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're saying, I want that. If it's God, I want it. I want you just to stand right where you are, all right? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, absolutely. Who else? Come on. Uh, who is stirring, you say, man, as we talk about this, the benefits of the Holy Spirit, of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, I desire that. I want you just to stand. Just going to wait another second. Now I'm going to ask you to do something even crazier. I'm going to ask that you slip out from where you are and just come on down here in the front. And don't worry, you're not going to be alone. All right? Just wherever you are, or if you want to join them and uh, you didn't stand, and uh, I want you to come. Don't worry, you're not going to be on your own. The second group of folks, there are some that are here that have been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you know you're not utilizing that gift on a daily basis or on a regular basis. And if you're here this morning and you're saying, you know what, I need to stir up that gift. I need to fan that gift into existence. I'm going to ask that you would stand right where you are as well. Who would say that? Yep, I've experienced it, but I've, I'm not really working. All right, okay. And I'm going to ask that you would slide out too and just find a place here at the altar. And I know I'm putting some of you on the spot, and you're like, man, what else is he going to ask? Well, so what I'm discerning is one of two things. Either, one, you're not interested in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, 
or you are actively working in the gifts of the Holy Spirit is working in your life. You have a prayer language that you use on a regular basis. And if that's you, I want you to stand. In fact, we're all going to stand. But if that's you, I want you to come and I want you to find someone and just put your hand on someone that's here. Laying on a hands is a biblical thing. It's a transfer of energy all across this place. I want everybody to stand. And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit and you've actively used that gift, I want you just to be used by God. I want to put a hand on every single person here. And what we're going to do, we're just going to ask a simple prayer that the Holy Spirit's going to touch us and fill us up. And for some, you've been filled and you're going to be refilled. For others, you've never been filled. God is going to fill you with His Spirit. You're going to be praying. You're going to be praising the Lord. And God is going to give you a prayer language. And you're just going to take it by faith and pray out. And you just do it. And it's not, not, it's not complicated. It's a step of faith. And so let's just do this. Let's just turn this whole altar time. And I'm going to ask it to, the rest of you just hang tight and be praying with us uh, where you are. Let's pray all across this place. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Fill me with your presence, with your power. Baptize me in your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And now I want you just to pray out loud. Uh, just glorify the Lord and let the Holy Spirit, and I want you to turn from English to a prayer language. You won't know what you're saying, but you will pray in the Spirit, and you are praying the perfect will of God, and discernment's coming, wisdom's coming. Oh, Holy Spirit, touch us, God. Praise you, man. Praise you, Jesus. I just feel the, the boldness of maybe the Holy Spirit just kind of impressing on me that there are some that may be here that have reservations in regards to, is this a gift for today? Yes, I read it in Scripture, and, but is it for me? I first just want to say for those that have been filled with the Holy Spirit this morning uh, and, you're, and you uh, experience that speaking in tongues, this is just a start. It's something you should do every day to build you up and to prepare you for ministry. But for those that are saying, I'm not so sure, I want to challenge you that if maybe your background or maybe what your parents taught you, uh, if it doesn't uh, line up, and you're saying, well, yeah, I see it in the Bible, but maybe it's not for today. Listen, God is the same yesterday as He is today, as He is forever. And His gifts are active and available for us. What if your parents were wrong? I want you to search the Scripture yourself and let the Holy Spirit work. And what I want to say also, that if you were not filled and you didn't speak in tongues today, listen, tongues is not the deal. It's all about pursuing God. And your pursuit of God, you stepping out, is more important that God is doing something inside of you. But I want you to know this, that God, in His power, He can baptize you at any time. You could be driving down the road and listening to worship music, and all of a sudden, you're praying in the Spirit. I, when I was a camp counselor, when I was a children's pastor, we would put kids to bed and we'd say, hey, pray yourself to sleep and kids will be filled with the Holy Spirit as they're going to bed after a night service. It can happen in the shower. <laughs> it can happen wherever you're calling on the name of the Lord, where you're lifting up His name. And I'm going to encourage you that when it happens, it's a step of faith 
and you don't have to fear. It's natural. You just do it by faith, and it fills you up, and there's so many benefits. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that your spirit would go with us. And God, that you would fill us and continually fill us with your power and your presence. And Lord, as we've laid our hands on these that have come forward and we think, even consider our own situation, God, I pray that we would be effective to witness for you this week. Lord, we saw two come to know you today, come back to you. Lord, I pray that week in and week out, each service, that there would be just scores and scores of people that find you and start walking with you that you change their lives. It's the only thing that matters. And God, I pray now that your spirit would go before us, behind us, and all around us. We pray it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. I want you to turn and give someone a hug or a high five or a handshake. And uh, God bless you as you go. We love you. Thanks for being here this morning. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.